Welcome one. Welcome all to my podcast, focusing on your favorite sports and your favorite athletes on their Olympic journey. This is the road to Tokyo. This is 2020 Vision. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of 2020 Vision. Trust me when I say that this episode will be big. Not only the personalities, but the things that we talk about. Now, when I did athletics as a child, throws were not my friend. In fact, my attempt at throwing a javelin resulted in me hitting myself in the back of the head several times before throwing. So, I'm lucky to have throwers on this episode that know what they are doing. Let's start with Matt Denny. Matt is a guy that knows how to chase his dreams. So here it is, my chat with Matt Denny. Tell us about how you started uh, in athletics. What, what wanted you to become either a discus thrower or just get involved in general? Um, so, so, when I first saw, I grew up out in the country at um, an hour up. So, like, less than a thousand people, um, just between Toowoomba and Warwick, um, about two hours uh, west of Brisbane. And I grew up in, like, a big family, uh, one of eight kids, and we were very lucky. Family loved sport, always loved sport, always played a lot of footy and swimming and uh, all different things. So I grew up doing that at first, like just doing all types of sports. Um, and when I when I was in primary school and stuff, they gave me they gave me like little um, like little bean bags and um, what do you call it, uh, vortex and stuff for us to throw. And um, I used to throw that over the top of the teacher's head, which I thought was funny. And you know, like I was enjoying it. And, um, I sort of progressed from there. I'm still doing heaps of sports, but um, in grade six, um, six and seven, I got dead last in the state. And then um, in grade eight, decided I was like, well, I don't really enjoy getting last in the state, so let's let's get a coach. Um, and then yeah, and my coach um, Ben, who was my coach all the way up until Tom Games, um, Graham Kidd coached me, and we went from last in the state the year before, and then within joining. We can perform. I think it was two months. I went from last in the state to second in the country, and um, yeah, like I just I got really I got really and just from there like it just took off and I was still playing footy and stuff and then um, I didn't make the choice to focus on just athletics only until grade ten. So yeah, it was a yeah. Like I, the thing that interests me about was just like a technical mastery of it and like the, the forever like willing seat to improve and, and try and perfect the technique because it's such a it's such an intricate and, and like unbelievably diverse way to move your body and try and master and stuff um, it just intrigues me and always for other sessions to try and improve and get better and that sort of just what hooked me on the short so it's much like mastering a head kick of football. Um, you just keep trying and trying again. I like that, mate. So what was it like playing football and uh, trying to balance the athletics then? Yeah, like, it was, it was... I didn't find it too hard. Like, I, I enjoyed... I enjoyed my footy. Um, and I was... Like, it took, it took me until probably, like, grade... Grade... Six, seven, six or seven. So, like, we had to figure out how to... Um, that's just what I do the rough one, like I was breaking 
Okay, so um, going through the... Uh, you, you got up to year seven now. When um, did you decide... Like, can you remember the point when you decided that it was okay to change over? And what was your first competition win like for you? I love it, mate. So, um, obviously, in the sport, there are lots of letdowns, um, and you kind of it brings yourself down in a sense. Is there anything that you do to kind of boost that mental um, attitude towards the sport? Because it can, it can get you down in a sense if you don't succeed in a competition or you haven't trained quite well, or even with an injury if it comes about. Yeah. 
That's awesome, mate. Very well said. Um, well, speaking of uh, greats, where do you see yourself in the next couple of years? What are your goals that you've set for yourself? Um, if we talk about, like, I, I, like, I have different kind of different things goals. So I have my one percent of the stuff. So 
I like the idea of that, mate. Well, hopefully you can get yourself there. Um, uh, thank you yeah, very. Yeah, I, I thank you very much for joining me. I'm still very young, still very young in the sport. Like I'm only 23, so yeah. Late 20s, early 30s. So. Well, you, I'm only 20. I'm, I'm 24, so you're making me feel slack. Yeah. <laughs> it does. You look after yourself, mate. Um, I'll let you go with the rest of your night. Uh, enjoy the rest of the year. Um, hopefully, it brings some medals to you. Um, and we'll chat to you next time when you do have those medals. Cheers, thanks for having me on, mate. Yes, no problem. See you, mate. Bye. Thank you very much, Matt, for coming on. I wish you the best of luck uh, for this year and the future. He definitely was a man with many wise words. And speaking of wise words, my next guest uh, was not ashamed to tell us about his ups and downs and how to overcome issues in life. This was an amazing chat that I believe all should hear. Here he is, Ben Harradine. How did you get started in the sport of discus? Well, I was a decathlete originally. I went through the little A's, all the little A's, I think I was six years old and was just enjoying being running, jumping and throwing pretty much and um, I enjoyed also the challenge of technical events and after I got to about 14 or 15 I sort of had an inkling towards one direction I wanted to go and for me I liked the responsibility, individual responsibility that uh, track and field offered and also like to... Uh, learn new technical things. For me, it was like uh, constantly finding new ways or trimming back ideas to throw the discus further and uh, just fell in love with throwing, pretty much. Simple as that. So who, uh, is there any particular person that directed you in that sort of uh, area or you just felt that you loved it? No, not particularly. Um, I just started with, like a general athlete, like I liked all events. Mm. My favorite event was like the 400 and the high jump. Um, I wasn't particularly interested in throws that much at the beginning, but um, my parents were both very involved in in the track and field club, but 
they really left it up to me, tried to provide opportunities with me based on what I enjoyed and what I was interested in. And I found a coach down in Wanji Wanji, which is um, on the other side of the lake in Newcastle, where I'm from. He's an old engineer, and my mum and dad started driving me down there two times a week just to learn the throws a little more. And uh, I just love what it had to offer. So pretty much it was it was my will. Um, enabled by my parents, so not really anyone steering me in the one or one or other direction, really. Well, that's okay. Well, you've obviously pushed yourself um, in the later years, though, and you've done uh, miraculous things on, uh, with a discus. Um, do you mind telling us what it was like, the journey um, to get the green and gold, what you had to go through, and what you achieved in the end? Jeez, it's hard to sum up. Um, my whole career in, in a short space, but I think for me the the most important thing was thing was the journey. It, it was never what results that yeah. I was going to achieve, because I had so much to learn, and um, you know I, I particularly enjoyed uh, what it offered to sport. You know, money certainly isn't a draw card, so we had to find other means to use it as an education for life, and uh, also for me it was very much a, a labor of love because I was able to spend a lot of time with my dad and a lot of time with family and friends and they were pretty much the, the driving force behind my career from start to finish. Um, but, uh, you know, I've made a lot of decisions that were difficult at the time, but now that I reflect back on my career, you know, there was so pivotal in, um, I want to say my success, but more or less my my learnings and the things that I was able to take with me post-career, like living in Germany and learning a new language, um, living in Europe, just being in an uncomfortable position for a while and, uh, you know, dragging myself out of the lowest of lows and having that great support network. But, um, you know, I think that when I look back on, on what I have done and I have achieved, the sport has pretty much given me everything that I have to this point. Um, you know, as I said, I'm incredibly close with my family. I met my fiance on a training camp. She's a swimmer. Um, was able to experience her winning world championship gold and also be a part of her uh, training, helping her with her strength and conditioning and so forth. Um, but, uh, you know, I just think that irrespective of how far I threw the discus, for me, it was a commitment to an education um, and a, a commitment to being or trying to be the best version of myself that I could. And um, I'm pretty pleased with, even if I didn't, you know, even if I didn't make it to the Olympics, which I always knew I was going to do because I had the drive to do that. Um, I still would have been able to reflect back and say this was worth it and I definitely can do that today that's amazing mate well congratulations on the steps that you took now you mentioned the lows there um, as a young male myself uh, I have issues with mental health and there are a lot of other males around that do have that um, also is there anything in regards to advice that you could offer on oh, you don't have to mention how you put yourself through it um, how you got to the other end, but how? how um, what, what could you say to those that are struggling? 
think it's, it's it's difficult to to sort of imagine how also so many people go through so many different things and and for me it was it was a bit of a tug of war that I had not with myself but with expectation I think because as a sports person we have expectations on ourselves we're hard enough on ourselves and then when failure is lifted up as something that is is negative especially by people who run our sport um, I mean it should be turned upside down it should be encouraged to fail because that's how we learn and I think that that creates a climate for people irrespective of male or female or whatever you identify with that it's not okay to do things wrong it's not okay to go out there and try and fail um, and, and that for me was a big part of the reason why I had some lows and you know, to, I remember one particular experience that I had in 2009 where, I mean, I poured my heart and soul into everything that I did and I was my biggest critic. And then to walk away from the from the arena after Worlds and have the head of our federation tell me that I was the biggest failure in our team, you know, that that's hard to handle for the best of people and that's not me just, you know, having a few feelings, that's... That's hard for any person to hear or any athlete to hear. And I don't even know why I accepted it at the time. But it was a contributing factor to a very low point of my career where I started to wonder, well, is this actually worth doing? Um, that's just one particular example that I had. And I was so scared at the time to say that those things had been said to me because of fear of being, you know, cut out of teams and and uh, upsetting the apple cart, so to speak, but mm. it doesn't help. We need to be, we need to feel a, a situation where we can talk about these things openly because otherwise there's no dialogue. We can't change, we can't improve. And, and I think that um, a big part of mental health is to, is to recognize that, you know, some people are struggling a little bit and that we need to give them the opportunity to feel comfortable enough to talk to a network or a team of people who can help with those things. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's so important for everyone in, in life to be able to feel comfortable talking about mental health. And uh, the more and more people do it, it liberates others. And, uh, you know, I feel that that climate is start, slowly starting to change a little bit in Australia, but it's, it's not easy. It's not easy anywhere in the world, but, um, Especially when, to give you a, an example, like when you're going into a major championship, you, you're told or you, you're understanding that you have to be in a positive state of mind in order to do well. But also there can be other ways that you can handle those things. For example, like accepting that negative thoughts do exist occasionally and we can't try and ignore them. We have to accept that they come and go. But you know, not engaging with them as, as much as as possibly I did. Um, but, you know, you try and stay positive for the to give yourself the best opportunity, whereas sometimes, you know, you're not really dealing with the underlying cause of why you are feeling that way. And uh, the more and more we can sort of understand how to manage that, we become more resilient athletes and more resilient human beings. So, I mean, as you say, mental health is so important. 
and the more and more athletes are speaking up about it, and the more and more people are speaking up about it, the, the better we can do at being better humans. Well, you've come at... Uh, t- you've come to the other side of the rainbow. You, you've uh, oh, I can't speak personally for you now, but it sounds like you're you're achieving a, a lot right now. Do you mind telling us what you you are currently doing? Uh, I am a uh, high performance director of uh, the largest track and field club here in Sweden. Uh, so we have um, sixteen hundred athletes, one hundred fifty seven coaches. Um, we also run a uh, a, uh, a midnight ten k. Uh, in five different cities throughout uh, the Nordics, and that generates revenue for our club, so we can support athletes and support coaches and run a, a good organisation. Um, so that's my responsibility, <laughs> and for me, it's also quite a, a different perspective because as an athlete, I was responsible for me, and I had my team of people who were helping me do those things. But now I'm res- well, I'm not entirely responsible for the whole organization but I feel as if it's my duty to help the organization forwards and develop in a, in a direction where we can produce better results and have better athletes and better citizens and so forth well, so that's my job yeah I, I love it mate well done and uh, it's cool to see where you, you've headed uh, is there anything that you do in your downtime you know we're talking about mental health that's always a good thing to focus on what we do in our downtime and not focus too much on the um, on everything else around us. Is there anything that you do? Um, yes, there, there are things. I, I'm, I'm a big believer in uh, meditation. I, I don't mind uh, occasional time out to myself, take my shoes off, get out into nature and, um, and just reflect on here and now. Um, I, I love being outdoors. also love music. Music for me is a great uh, release. I like to write. Um, and uh, I produced a little bit of music together with a buddy over here in, in Stockholm. Um, so we're going to see you on top of the charts then? <laughs> Definitely not. I do it for me, not for anyone else. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> having, having said that, I can send you the EP that we released. Hey, no um, <laughs> a little thing. I also work on radio as well, so I've got my own radio show. Oh, cool. I might give it a play if it's any That's good. Awesome. <laughs> Absolutely, and I'll send it through to you. Sounds good, mate. Um, I just wanted to touch on, I think that, uh, like, if I'm being honest with you completely, I think that uh, nowadays it's difficult for me to switch off from mm. my work, um, and uh, it's a challenge that I'm going through at the moment, I'm trying to manage the life balance a little bit more. You know, being an athlete, you're a little bit more routine with training, and um, for me, exercise is so key uh, to just having the good hormones running through my mind and through my body. Um, and I notice when I don't exercise as much as I should, um, I start to spiral downwards a little bit. So I try and keep that up as much as possible, train to feel good and, and then combine that with just being outdoors and traveling and loving nature. I love it, mate. Well, you're definitely a guy that I can look up to and I, I thank you for the chat today and, uh, for, you know, you didn't have to talk to us about what was going on for you, uh, but I appreciate it, and I'm sure everyone else that listens, especially those young males, I'm all about it, um, the mental health life and trying to get yourself in a positive mindset. Um, I have doubled myself in meditation, and it, it is definitely something we should look into. Even some colouring books, they're good as well. But, um, Absolutely. Yeah.
No, I, th- I thank you again, and I wish you the best of luck with everything going on. And it sounds beautiful outside because I can hear the birds. Seagulls. <laughs> oh, seagulls. Oh, there we go. Well, not, not as beautiful. They're not, they're not the, the best creatures. All right, thank you very much. We'll catch you later. How good was that? Such an interesting guy that definitely has turned negatives into positives. A real role model for any young person, any old person, any person that is struggling in general. I thank both Ben and Matt again for coming on this episode. I hope you enjoyed episode 8 of 2020 Vision. I'll see you next week. Who knows who we're going to get. Thank you for listening to another episode of 2020 Vision. If you want to find us elsewhere, go to Podbean, YouTube or Spotify and type in 2020 Vision. You can also find us on Facebook. Thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you again next week.